So the mode of realm of direct experience, which we feel intimately, subjectively, moves our hearts, has somatic effects, is a uh, tricky but necessary realm to clarify, to purify, to move across, move through, move out of these effects, these uh, reactions, these uh, irrational energies that uh, can be very overwhelming or stifling. Something that's uh, possibly to something that's very open, bright, certainly subjectively experienced, but not not personal. Doesn't create a person out of it. So, in certainly meditation, we can experience um, these effects: uh, intense thinking. Mm, you know, memories and regrets and passions rushing up, agitations, and often these stifled states where you just feel numb and you know, dull. It's not because you didn't get any sleep. You know, sometimes you can feel really well, tired, dead, oh, dead, really numb. Get up, walk outside. Oh, it's gone. It wasn't fatigue, it was blocked energy, stagnant energy. Something stuck. And it's very frustrating because one can have very good intention, lots of instructions, and you still can't. Something can't do it. Something wrong with me. Which is the default. Everything gets taken personally, particularly subjective experience. The asava of becoming, the outflow of becoming, the corruption of becoming, we assemble a person out of experience. This isn't a conscious decision, it's a default. Default is to assemble a person or a self out of subjective experience, for good or for bad. Uh, and uh, even for good it's not for one's ultimate welfare because then we want to have more of it and we regret when it passes or we get conceited or we feel we are something mm. if it's bad we feel we're hopeless, can't do it we're nothing yet we're still, we're still a something a something that calls itself nothing or inadequate and this is becoming our survival So these are quite common experiences in direct practice, particularly meditation, you know, sitting still. Because there's nothing to deflect one's energy into. You can't sort of jump around, have a chat, a cup of tea, read a book. Things that are certainly blameless, but it's something we're moving out of the territory. Perhaps we have to. We can't, you know, manage it move out of that because it's just too stuck 
but because one's moved out of it doesn't mean one's resolved it by any means you move out of it maybe that's the best one can do at this time gather some resources return again certainly this life is built upon that compassionate understanding it's getting stuck it's time to go for a walk getting really stuck time to have a talk you know, feel really overwhelmed time to talk to somebody about it Mm. you you get some external support you move out of the territory get some resources confidence goodwill advice whatever it takes return again Mm. and practice is always purification of chitta This jitta that uh, is both snared, trapped by the asava, so it's not a rational, directed decision, it's a default mode of this heart, you could say. Subjective sense, jitta, the me sense. It's, uh, and it's that which can also be liberated. So, particularly in his renowned sequence of awakening knowledges the third and most important knowledge of the Buddha had insight, vision, knowing was direct with the citta bright and pure directed it towards the cessation of the asava and citta bright and pure directed it towards concentrated bright directed it towards the uh, cessation of the asava and the taints, corruptions, outflows. It's interesting. So if you think the jitta concentrated, we call it consolidated. It's really gathered together. It's got its strength, its brightness, its power. It's sitting in itself. It's able to then begin to review aspects of its experience that are still bound in self-view, in personhood, in becoming, in the leaning and inclination of the senses. And of course the most fundamental asava of the lot is avijasava, the corruption, the outflow, the influence, the default influence that we all have of avijja, Ignorance. Mm. Mm. It says, you know, and then it says, his realization, ignorance was banished. So that's that's the king. That's the that's the supreme one. Avijja. Mm. Of course, as I've suggested, a lot of these translations tend to be inclined towards the more cerebral renditions of terms. So ignorance, you might think, needs some information. No, it's not about information. Mm. It's about being in touch. Vidya. Mm. To vidana, feeling. You don't get it, you don't feel it, you don't sense it. It's not words you need. You sense something. 
feel something and you're not feeling it. You don't see it. You're not aware of it. The idea of the brightening and consolidating, gathering together and collecting of jitta is to at least recognize that's there's something's there. What's that that you didn't notice? Mm. It's very difficult to, to know what you don't know, isn't it? How do you know what you don't know? How do you know ignorance? <laughs> How can you sense what you don't sense? How do you get it? You start to recognize, hey, there's a numb place there. There's a very compulsive energy there. I don't blur. What's that? That compulsive jump, or that numbed out state, or that flustered state, or that kind of where something, your legs have gone, you feel disoriented. You know something's lost, something's not there. Balance isn't there. Um, composure isn't there. Uh, clarity isn't there. Well-being isn't there. Mm. And the very positive aspect that the Buddha certainly teaches, dukkha, suffering and unsatisfactoriness, to bear in mind is this is a consequence of ignorance not seeing, missing a piece with that with that ignorance dispelled the experience can be a very deep contentment, ease composure, happiness that could be the default Happiness that follows you like your never departing shadow. It's always there. Mm. Fundamental well being. Mm. Of course, events come and go that viewers disappointed by or concerned about, but fundamentally, well being. Not based upon a thought or an event or an experience, but based upon jitta. Jitta rests in itself. Its ignorance has been banished. Its missing pieces that we didn't know were missing have been retrieved. So we list up very simple qualities like Feeling settled, feeling comfortable. You know, these are not that difficult notions. Feeling safe, feeling trusted, feeling welcome. Feeling good, feeling okay. Mm. And notice the times when it's not there, when the fear is pressurized. Obligated, driven, have to do, can't do, overwhelmed, flooded, 
stark. That's the answer about. Something jitters contracted or flat or not full, not rich, not composed in itself. This is the default, really. Doesn't mean it's like that all the time. But these are pieces of the territory of jitter that, uh, you know, direct practice start, we, we enter or start coming up. And naturally upon those becoming gets established, I am this, I was this, because of that, I will be this. Mm. I was that because he was this, I was that because they were that. I've always been like that because of this and that, and I've got statistics to prove that da 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 da. And therefore I will be, therefore because I am, and I will be, I need to be this and that and the other. And because I was this and am this, I need to be that. So I better hurry up and get busy doing something to become something else. <laughs> and so this is like, gets directed this kind of low-grade panic, which people unfortunately experience in their lives as a continual, not necessarily intense, but it's continual nagging to become something get something, so you will be something, because right now you're not something that you could be, should be, other people are. So there there the pressure comes up, and then the story starts, what I was, what other people are, the way the world is, everybody else is fine, whatever it is, you know. Stories come up, plans, visions, scenarios, and it gets very busy, at a certain point, the penny drops. Wait a minute, all I have to do is sit here. Just sit here with nobody bothering me. Relaxing. <laughs> Where did all this stuff come from? <laughs> something wrong, something wrong. You can't hear, sit here like, relaxing all day. No, you're not saying just for like for ten minutes, maybe. Just rest in your jitta. You can't do this for the rest of your life. No, not, not doing it for the rest of your life. Just doing it for like ten, fifteen minutes. <laughs> but this isn't the way it's going to work in the world. I've got to be, no, no, no. Like just fifteen minutes. Or so. <laughs> what would I do about the state of the world? You know, like just fifteen minutes. If you sit in your jitta, you might find out. <laughs> wow, life gets so intense, doesn't it? Because where? Where does all it bubble up from? And jitter's not settled. It's not so, it doesn't even know. It knows it's not settled, but it thinks it's because of these ideas and visions and scenarios that it conjures up from this unsettled state. So the results of the unsettled condition are, are sensed as the cause of the unsettled condition. The results of the unsettled condition are agitated thinking mind is experienced as the cause of it. No, no, you could say that. In a way, it does feed back. But why is the mind 
thinking and planning and figuring things out so much in the first place. Or you just say, that's enough now, stop. It's not a rational process, is it? You can't say, okay, well, I'll do some worrying in 35 minutes. Now I'll take a break. No, it doesn't work like that. I've got to do it right now. It's important. I just get this one idea. So get that thing sorted out, then I'll be all right. Just get that thing cleared and I'll be fine. Uh-oh. Uh, that's ignorance. We take the results to be the cause. That's ignorance. Mm. We take ourselves to be what we think other people think of me. We know we're not we're not able to read other people's minds, and yet I think she doesn't like me. See, see, see the way she didn't look at me. That proves it. <laughs> I know they're all hostile, they're not saying anything at the moment, but I can feel their hostility. Really? Um, look again. Where's that? Yeah. I feel, you know, being judged, being blamed, being left out. Where's that? Nobody's saying anything. Yeah, they're not saying it right now, but behind my back they're talking about it. Yeah, somebody mentioned something you might have made a mistake over, that proves it. No, it just means that for one little point you made a mistake, that's all. You get this blanket ill will. We assume it's coming from other people. Being judged. Who's doing that? Where does that come from? Mm. Don't know. Because it's not coming from a person, it's coming before the person, the fundamental sense of you know, ill will, unsettled, uncomfortable, constricted chitta. Uh, you know, one can give examples that are comic to make it um, more clearly highlighted, but unfortunately it's not that comic. When you, you get a sense of what harm people put themselves into through these asava, what horrible, horrible things people put themselves into, and the kind of addictive compulsive behaviours, driven into because of these these outflows or corruptions and still thinking or not even thinking but compulsively driven into it and something even recognizing it's not quite right and yet unable to do anything about it obsessive compulsive addictive behaviors uh, obsessive addictive self-views then they become the default when everything, the rest of the world then lines up in their eyes, in their hearts to to, uh, to verify it you notice the things that your answer will turn the jitter towards 
you select the piece that fits the wound, finds the arrow to fit it somewhere. There it is, proves it. And sometimes this um, this experience of Rija, not getting it wrong, turning it upside down, making what's subjective into objective experience, making a world out of subjective imbalance. And sometimes this experience much more intimately just as a kind of stuck somatic state. Restricted, can't even feel much of my body at all, let alone do mindfulness of breathing. Which is supposed to be like an easy thing to do, like, you know, nice, everybody can breathe, can't they? (laughs) You can, until you start focusing on it. (laughs) Because with the focus comes the, the, the sankara of attention. Is a sankara, and attention is not a neutral. It's, attention is affected by the asava. It's not. You don't decide it. You don't do it from a conscious decision. Just the way of attending thing it gets tight, compulsive. Got to make it. How's what's the right way to do it? You know, and that just comes along with the act of attention. Attention is a sankara, and it carries a certain intent. That's why anyone needs to keep kind of referring the simple things that don't require a massive effort of the will to attend to, just like walking along, eating a meal, sensation of the body. Something that comes to you easily. I would certainly recommend that approach. Just sit, stand, walk. What comes to you easily, rather than through some act of the will? There's a body here. I think. Feels like it. Is it all here? Belly, back, legs, feet, arms, hands, fingers. Can you sense it all? And if you can't, and some people can't, you sense what you can, be aware of that. And this particular process, Vitaka, uh, placing your attention where it can easily attend. It's like it's just light the sense of like dropping a leaf on a pond you don't throw a rock in it and it shimmers alright so that's it drop it again it shimmers chitta picks it up yeah get that okay okay and then with that resonance the chitta experiences when you do attend Lightly, gently, repeatedly, 
to what you can attend to without a massive effort of the will, you're much less likely to go into these asava territories, which are much more intense. So in a way, you know, meditation should be fairly like 60-70% effort maximum. Some people maybe 50%. Because you don't even know what, how, what the percentages are. A lot of people are running 110 You can touch lightly, easily. And then linger. This is vichara, open, linger, listen. Do it again. Do it again. Again. The experience of your body that you're sensing is anything more Where's the edge of it? Skin. You can feel down your back, can you? What's what's underneath that? Can you go into the leg? You're feeling your chest, can you feel your shoulder? A little bit. What's behind that? What's above that? What's you find didn't realise you had a neck. You know, you had a face and somewhere in the chest and missing bit what's beneath that chin experience mm. you know, so sensitive really filling and opening into the entirety of it it's all settled and you can practice like that partly because you're practicing the right kind of attention, which is, is that flick, touch, listen, touch. Until mm. the whole thing becomes apparent. Like sketching. Particularly in the constricted bodily states. And unfortunately, you know, particularly in this high pressure lifestyles that people come through. There's a lot of fundamental tension. Bodies tensed up, people are hypersensitive. So remember somebody I was talking to a few years back and the person was really, you know, kind of eyes popping out of the head with gotta practice, gotta make it, you know, gotta get it, gotta get it, can't get it. I get focused, trying harder to get focused on this thing, trying harder, what else should I do? I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, like, uh, relax. The person goes, what? Relax? 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 Didn't get it. What do you mean, relax? So, like, relax, you know. Relax. Knew what the word meant, didn't have a reference to it as an experience. Didn't actually have a, an actual direct experience of that quality. This was harder and more. And then when you come to practice meditation, right, make an effort, 
commit yourself, make an effort, focus. These are all appropriate in the right way, but she hadn't. If you're on the ground, if you're on the ground, yeah. But if you're not even on the ground yet, you're up in the some kind of hyperspace, not even grounded in your body yet. Making effort, just <laughs> the effort has to be to get on the ground first of all before you can start moving. So I remember saying this person, well, can you feel your feet? Feet? I said, yeah, feet. Now, not with your hands, can you feel your feet in, in themselves? Look like I'm crazy. <laughs> After two years, she found her feet. Oh, that's what relax means. I said, yeah, that's what it means. You find your feet. And your energy comes out of that tight place and fills your entire body. Oh, relax. That's what that means. Yeah. It means you're now on the ground. Now when you're on the ground, now you can start, you know, doing, if you want. And then you've got a, something you can measure. Like, because you just do these things intellectually, effort, right, more effort, how much effort. But you don't have a reference to what, what the direct experience is. Because the body, which should give you that, is so contracted. Can't get a somatic reference to it. So tense and more tense. Only when that jitter is unfolded through the body, then we've got feet on the ground. Oh. Right. Here I am. Now, what kind of things need to be done? And we're not working those abstract ideas like five indriyas or Idipadas, seven Pojangas, and so forth. Get samadhi, kunimati, metta, rapture, piti, which are all true, but as ideas, you put that lot into a mind that's on ground, and they just start to fry. <laughs> all these terrible things they've got to do, they can't possibly do. Can you feet on the ground, and you'll start to feel the quality of Sadha, faith, confidence, energy, energy becomes available, it's no longer driven, it's naturally there. You can be aware of it, there's been reference to that. Mindfulness of body becomes available, it's on a screwed up state of trying to focus on a particular point. You are, it's all to, it becomes, well, why not, you know, default. There may be even more revealing the quality of goodwill is present, available, not, doesn't have to be conjured up, doesn't have to be, you know, willfully produced, it's natural, why should you not feel goodwill? Why not? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you see certain teachings that give you instructions on Metta Bhavana, but really the Buddha, he didn't tell you how to start, he said extend it, as if that's the default, and now you can extend it further and deeper. But it's like, well, if you're grounded and relaxed, it's natural to experience a quality of 
richness of heart, I'd say. The heart is rich. And the quality of metta is which richness wants to express itself. Generous, grateful, thank, compassionate, helpful. That's natural. Because that's, that's what it does. And you just encourage it. You know, to move into directions you hadn't really given much focus upon. Near and far. In oneself. You know, through all the domains of jitta. The fearful areas, the guilty areas. It's said to be something that relieves the mind from regret about past errors. You touch into those kind of bruised, negative, contracted states, and this goodwill is not just a thought, not just an emotion, it's an energy, a richness of energy, heart energy. That's the soften these places where we feel brittle or sour. Hurt. This is the territory domain of jitta. It's not thought, it's not really emotion, although it's got an emotional flavour to it. There's an energy there. It's warm and replenishing. Sitting there, you feel good. Saturates the body. This is the pervasive features of chitta. It's not directed, it's not whipped up or pushed through some intention. It's a natural, resonant quality. Mm. When you sit still, the theme is if the chitta is grounded and it's this kind of suffusive quality of richness, goodness, health. Clarity just begins to permeate. And that's the story with both these metta, karuna, mudita, peka, also these uh, jhana experiences, which uh, I think need to be reviewed more sensibly. And just a hypnagogic state focusing on a point of light, but a natural absorbed into or settled into or drinking up soaking up the qualities of goodwill, soaking up the qualities of self-respect, soaking up the qualities of virtue, saturating oneself with the happiness of these. Until that becomes saturating the body with that through breathing. So in this way, areas that were shut off become opened up area where one was not in touch become available mm. places where one felt numb, confused, compulsive open up mm. And, And so in that sometimes you get an insight, oh that's because of that. And that kind of you know, traumatic experiences or unresolved uh, shocks, uh, social conditioning, 
pressure, abuse. These are common stories that I hear in uh, teaching, listening to others, abusive behavior mm. towards them or that they've, they've done towards others. These all leave powerful scars and strictures on the heart, childhood abuse particularly. Mm. But all the crazy stuff that we're in, inducted into, <laughs> you know, workaholic, compulsive, um, sensory addiction. And so, you know, you go along with it. Yeah. And the ignorance protects it. Well, ignorance protects it. So you say something like, oh, you know, sensory getting in, sensory indulgence is difficult, dangerous, so on. Being judgmental. Well, not really. Well, you could call it that, but like if somebody's in the ocean and you say there's a riptide out there, is that judgmental? Or is it just giving the person information? But all my friends are out there in, in the riptide. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Riptides are part of the ocean. It's just part of life. It's normal. Yeah, it is normal to have a riptide in the ocean. It doesn't mean you go into it. Do you not feel it? The riptide of that, the passion of that, the compulsive nature of it. And so, you know, person do feel it, but think that's good. That's called ignorance. We do it. Everybody else is doing it. Yeah, that's ignorance too. Because you're not looking at what needs to be looked at. Chipped up. Driven, thrown, dumped into these currents. Buddha teaches for our welfare. Protect. There is dangerous stuff out there. The Asava throw you into it. These are the riptides. The ones you most wary of are the ones that don't don't see on the surface, the bits you don't see. So you start really reviewing that which is just pretty obvious, like, do you have a body? This is not, we're not looking at great attainments, just do you have a whole body yet? Hmm. Do you notice when you jump out of it, what throws you out of it? Do you notice the sense of slight regret when you realise, oops, mm. you know, it just babbled away, what am I doing? Doesn't feel good. It's not evil, it's just something knows, compulsiveness. Jitter knows, and compulsive. I feel good about that. 
Vedi Asava. Travisa. Compulsive organizing, compulsive non-organizing. <laughs> you know, it's not any of these are okay. It's just when they become the default that you blur into. Compulsive responsible, compulsively responsible. It's compulsion. That's the that's the riptide. What's going on? Probably trying to defend a self or become a self. It'll be okay. It doesn't happen that way. Get out of the riptide, you feel okay. Knowing what you don't know, touching what you don't quite get. And, you know, people develop more or less instinctively and naturally all kinds of um, strategies to cope with the bits missing bits. We become very good in certain areas that help to deflect, carry the pressure of the bits they're not carrying. So it's like, you know, you take, you know, say you've got a donkey, a four-legged donkey, and for some reason or another, one leg gets twisted up, perhaps it's got caught in wire or something, so it's only got walking on three legs. The three legs have to work harder, you know, to compensate for that missing fourth leg. So they do work harder, and you can get on. But it doesn't feel you can't skip, there's no lightness, there's no flow, you get rigid because you're missing that fourth leg. And sometimes you get only two legs on the ground. There's another leg got caught up in something other, so you've got a two-legged donkey. Those two legs work really hard, and people are impressed with that strength of those two legs. She's really good at that, he's fantastic at that, what a great thinker. You know, But they can't know how to relax. <laughs> they don't know how to be playful. They feel confused in being in groups of people, feel emotionally dysfunctional. They get people with only one leg, one legged donkeys. They sit in their own playing computer games all day or just sitting behind some screen in abstractions because they can't even manage going out the door and being with human company. You get one legged donkeys. You get donkeys with no legs. <laughs> and these are the people who get put in, you know, in asylums. Uh, it's, uh, you know, you can talk, make a funny example, but it's not funny. Because all donkeys have four legs. But sometimes they don't. One bit's kind of gone out of action. Let's be encouraged. Move lightly. Move lightly. Okay, I've got to move lightly. No, no. Not I've got to move lightly. Just move lightly. Right. I make a special effort to really determine to move lightly. No, not quite that. I know what you're saying, but like um, 
light. <laughs> uh, I don't feel quite right because you're not being a normal self, which has become, you know, constructed out of the particular uh, pattern we got into. There was a monk here a few years ago who had a he had a lot of back problems and shoulder problems and doing all kinds of things with his back and his shoulders, trying to get him relaxed, get his tension, his back and his shoulders. He couldn't get right his yoga and this and that, you know, trying to relax the tension in his shoulder. Eventually, he went to an osteopath and guy, nothing wrong with your shoulders, nothing wrong with your back. One leg lifted up. Problem was, one leg was like half an inch shorter than the other. So it lifted off the ground. But what happened was because, you know, feet, both feet land on the ground, there was a continual stress being created in the rest of his body to get that other foot on the ground. And when the osteopath released the stress in his lower back, the foot lifted. So the problem was just one leg is shorter than the other. But you never thought of looking at your leg because the pain was in your shoulder. Actually, that's where it transferred to. It was funny, first of all. Don't know how to walk. Had to put some special shoes and Oh yeah, the back pain's gone. But it was psychologically very disorienting because the normal psychologies of drive and get it done, were also released. Or get used to that and start to rebuild from that. If it doesn't feel so strong, doesn't feel so much like me, doesn't feel important, doesn't feel convincing, doesn't feel I'm getting anywhere, get on the ground. It's going to grow. Apply the quality of it will, it will grow. Some of these things are quite subtle, we don't really know what they're about. Practice internally, externally, practice how you are in the sense fields. Externally, you see, you know, moving around, dealing with things, notice your hasty or blurred or compulsive or negligent what's going on it's not about whipping or blaming it's just about sensing when I see that this is what happens mm-hmm. something to be investigated here slow it down look more carefully at that jump when I see something and boom, jump look at that more carefully that's all See the jump. Those are the pieces we need to open awareness around. The piece we don't know, feeling of isolation or need to placate something. Who knows? Internally, you know, if you carry, for example, if you carry chanting, I generally carry chanting in my mind and in my body, in my heart. So it might get, something seems to get dull or stuck or obsessive, and I can just go back to that. I don't necessarily chant out loud, I chant internally. 
son- sonorous qualities, particularly of using or tend to use Pali, sacred language, sounds are purer, clearer. It's not about the meaning of the words, it's the resonances. Just resonating that, so you feel the impression of that steady resonance. Sometimes that helps to clear some of the stiffness or the murkiness from the mind, internally resonating, simple phrase, the sound of it, parley sounds, simple pure sounds, affect these sounds are sacred because the whole Indian languages were constructed around, you know, using sounds in particular ways to create resonances, rather than ideas. And you do that, brighten up. Recollections. So sound image, recollection image, you know, teachers, friends, that which warms the heart, bring that in and oh, you feel something, fog clears, something releases. These are ways in which we use means to you know, find that complete, get the chitta here. You know, inhabiting our lives in, and coming out of its occlusions and blocks, and, and, and this and purifying it, stabilizing it, enjoying it, seeing, directing it towards the destruction of the taints, directing it, and it can be inflected. Enough of that. Enough of that. I see this. I realize that. There's the missing piece. Gone, finished. And jitta is released in the asava through no longer being in this clung state. So let's take some time for direct practice. <clears throat>